Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Sanyo from Insight Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Marcella Mouse, Director of Cellular Immunotherapy at Mass General Cancer Center and Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Mouse recently joined us for a webinar about engineering T-cells for cancer, where she discussed the components and technologies used in making a T-cell product, important factors that contribute to their efficacy, and underlying mechanisms of toxicity and resistance. Let's get right into it. Uh, All right, the first question here, is the potential for autoimmune adverse events greater with CAR T-cells or so-called checkpoint blockers? Very interesting question. Gosh, I'm not sure. Um, I think, you know, as I mentioned, um, most of the CAR T-cell, all of the CAR T-cell trials have really excluded patients with autoimmune disease. I think it probably depends on how big the clone is and a little bit of a sort of probability, because I think if you were to transduce a CAR T-cell that also had a self-reactive T-cell clone, it's possible that that T-cell clone would be um, kind of enhanced, but it would be just the ones that got transduced. And what we've also seen in sort of in, in mouse models, it's not officially published as such, is that the CAR activity kind of tends to dominate. So one thing we've seen, for example, is that patients who received CAR T-cells in a post-allo setting, and they've received CAR T-cells from the manufactured from their original allogeneic stem cell transplant donor, is that it's actually safe. So there's not been an increase in graft-versus-host disease in those patients. So I would say that I don't have sort of full numbers and and data uh, to answer the question, but my suspicion is that CAR T-cells would are less likely to cause autoimmune disease based on a relatively low percentage of the T cells that get transduced from the total body T cell mass. And because the car is sort of dominates more over uh, signaling through the T cell receptor, even if it's an autologous self-reactive clone, whereas checkpoint blockade, you know, it's getting all of the T cells. And so you're really modifying the entire compartment that could be self-reactive. And so it's going to be multiple um, self-reactive clones that have their peripheral tolerance mechanisms shut off. So I suppose that if, if, uh, if I had to wager, I think that CAR T cells in a patient with autoimmune disease were probably less problematic than checkpoint blockade in that population. Interesting. Fantastic. Great answer. Next question here. What do you think about the potential for allergenic versus autologous CAR T therapies? Yeah, that's a question that, that comes up a lot. Allogeneic cells, I think, are very attractive to the industry in the sense that, you know, CAR T cells are regulated like drugs. And so being able to have sort of complete control over the quality attributes and the, the, the target product profile of the drug is, is a very important part of the sort of the regulatory strategy and the commercialization. I think, unfortunately, the biology is not necessarily working with us in that setting. Um, I think years of, you know, medical progress in transplantation and in autoimmune disease would indicate that rejection in either direction, so either, you know, graft versus host disease or host versus rejection of the incoming T cells, those are like real (laughs) biologic 
robust mechanisms that I think are going to be quite difficult to overcome. I mean, if we think about how complicated it is to do a transplant in terms of how much immune suppression is required to maintain the tolerance to the graft, both for, for, you know, for bone marrow transplant and for solid organ transplant, I just have a hard time imagining that halogeneic T cells are going to have anywhere near the persistence or efficacy that autologous T cells will. But on the other hand, it makes the regulatory process much more potentially much more feasible. And so I think, unfortunately, in this field, those are still sort of dichotomous where, you know, to make it, to make it commercializable off this, uh, you know, off the shelf, sort of large scale manufacturing, you kind of want an aloe product, but to really leverage the biology of the T cell, it makes much more sense to stay in an autologous product. So I think it's, um, it's sort of a, I suppose I would say that it's a bit of a conflict in the field about how to best approach this. I, I think it also is potentially ripe for really understanding more about transplantation and gene editing. And so a lot of the gene editing tools are going to be used to try to make allogeneic T cells or allogeneic and K cells more tolerable. And perhaps we'll learn from that experience to be able to facilitate organ transplants or um, to, to manage autoimmune disease even. I will say that there are already trials and data that's being published with allogeneic CAR T cells that have been gene edited. And what looks to be required is a really deep immunosuppression of the host in order to get sufficient expansion and anti-tumor effect of the incoming products. And so then we're sort of stuck a little bit in, you know, how much immunosuppression of the host is going to be tolerable on a large scale as well. So I think it's to be determined, um, but there's definitely a lot of activity on both sides. Excellent. Some really great points there. Here's a good question. What are the preferred imaging modalities for assessing response to CAR T-cell therapy? And can imaging studies predict response to treatment in this setting? That's a great question. There's a lot of people who've been very interested in trying to image the T-cells themselves. I would say they're not quite ready for clinical prime time or clinical decision making. Right now, most of the imaging modalities are really based on the standard of care for the disease. So in lymphoma, there's, of course, a lot of use of um, FDG PET and CT scans. In myeloma, it's, you know, it can include MRI, but it's also really mostly blood-based markers and bone marrow biopsy. So I would say it's to be determined. I'm not sure that there are imaging modalities that are yet predictive of response. I would say it's mostly being used to assess response. I will say that there is a question sometimes when when someone has a PET scan sort of earlier on, and we sometimes see PET scans sort of convert from partial responses to complete responses, and that, that goes for t- CT scans as well. And sometimes you see it light up on PET, and those can actually be CAR T cells if they're still very active. Um, and so the, the kinetics of when we expect responses were really drawn in terms of response criteria were really drawn initially upon, you know, cytotoxic chemotherapy. And just like we saw with immune related um, response criteria, um, CAR T cells tend to behave a little bit closer to chemo than checkpoint blockade in that setting. But I would say that it, it can be somewhere in between. Fantastic. I think we have time for just a few more questions here. Do you think there's potential for CAR T cell therapies outside of oncology and autoimmune disease? Yes. So I didn't talk about it as much because I'm, I'm an oncologist and that's what I have, you know, most of my, most of my effort and, and training in. But we and others, and we're collaborating with others to engineer T-regs um, with CARS to try to enhance organ tolerance. So I think that there are indications beyond cancer 
I know that there was also a paper recently about engineering CAR T cells to target cardiac fibrosis. I don't know how often that that happens clinically or whether it's ready for prime time, but you know, it's easier probably to engineer T cells to be killers of something, um, whether that's excess fibrotic tissue or, you know, a tumor mass, than it is to engineer them to be suppressive. But I think both are feasible. There's also been some CAR-T preclinical studies against infectious disease, so in, including HIV and even aspergillus, like fungal infections. So I think that there's potential in a lot of other indications beyond cancer. That's really cool. I love it. Uh, is the key with the triapral molecular clustering on the cell membrane, and is it thus a nonspecific effect? It's an interesting question. I think we, we think that it does enhance antigen binding, and we don't see sort of a nonspecific clustering and tonic signaling or activation of the CAR in the absence of antigen. So I, I, I don't, there are some CARs where there is tonic signaling where the the single chain sort of interact with each other or aggregate on the surface and therefore cause signaling of the car, irrespective of the presence of antigen. We have not seen that with our tripral car, so we think that it's through it. Um, we think that that formation of the trimer is a is a changes the binding affinity, but not the um, not a tonic signaling issue. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.